definitely fits right in with our message this morning. Thank you, Rachel. We're in John chapter 4, and my goal is to finish John chapter 4 this morning with this message. In 43, verse 43 through the end of the chapter, I just want to read 43 through 47. So I'm going ask if you'll stand in God's honor as I read through 47, starting in verse 43. After the two days he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Let's pray. Father, our hearts break for this man, even though we personally do not know him. We recognize that we would be devastated in that situation. God, there are people here, though, in situations, and they do feel devastated this morning. Um, maybe some listening, not here in person, online. But, Father, you are faithful. And I just pray that this morning, as we look at a man's faith unleashed, not immediate, as he just followed you. Lord, I pray you speak to our hearts. Uh, say more than I ever could. Holy Spirit, um, may you speak straight to our hearts, Lord. And may we simply respond to you, because that's what it's about, Lord. Thank you that we can be here. Father, may you just continue to move in the time that remains together. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Faith. Sounds good, but sometimes it's much harder to put into practice, especially in a very difficult situation. I always, my mind moves to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which I you know, learned early on in my Christian walk. You guys know it so well. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is not a half-hearted challenge that he gives. You're not to trust in Him when it's comfortable or convenient, when it's easy. To trust Him with all your heart. And then He says what? Lean not on your own understanding. Be careful. The tendency is to say, I got this. I will conquer. I will be victorious. I will network and find the people necessary to pull this off to my advantage. It doesn't work that way. He tells us, and lean not on your own understanding. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's not how powerfully you believe in yourself. It's not how wonderful any of us are. There is a temptation here to be self-sufficient and to leave God out. And that's what I love about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. To trust in the Lord 
with all your heart. You don't lean on your own understanding. What do you do? You acknowledge Him in all your ways. Acknowledge Him. Seek Him. Look for direction from Him. Don't be so confident in yourself that you think, I've got it all together. Understand, we all need God's help in our lives. And I love the end of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, and He will direct your paths. He promises to guide you, to lead you, even in places you don't understand. Uh, Cindy and I, years ago, were going through a difficult time, and I was reading through the book of Isaiah, and I came across a passage in Isaiah. It was a single verse that really caught my attention. And in it, basically, God says, man, when you go through those potholes of life, I will get you through. I am with you. You can trust on me. Well, here we are in John chapter 4, and we discover a man who comes to Jesus, and he is crushed. He has a sick child. He doesn't know what to do, and so he responds upon what he has heard about a miracle worker named Jesus Christ. Jesus, once again, he heads for Galilee, but with Jesus... Nothing is ever done by chance. <laughs> Another appointment waits Jesus Christ. And it is this man who comes in his difficulty, and he is called a royal official in the King James, a nobleman. Uh, he was a servant of the king. Which king? Well, Many of you guys may remember Herod the Great. He was the guy at the time of Jesus' birth in his early years where all the babies were killed. The king at this time is one of his sons, Herod Antipas. Herod was king over Galilee, the northern region of Galilee. And I want us to look at this morning at three truths of the growing faith of this man. The first one we want to look at is life can be hard. God uses it to drive us to Him, to Jesus Christ. Um, Capernaum was 20 miles from Galilee. The royal officials in that day, it, it's doubtful that any of them lived in Galilee because Herod Antipas's headquarters was not there. It was in Tiberias. Tiberias was on the southwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee and Capernaum on the northwestern shore. So you have <laughs> this difference upon the lake, which is a 13-mile long lake in Galilee, in Galilee. And this man, he put his son, more than likely, on a boat and sailed from one end of the lake to the other, <laughs> looking for Jesus. But when he arrived in Capernaum, Jesus wasn't there. That was the last place where Jesus had been spotted as news had spread. And so he still had a 20-mile ride to Cana. Uh, my guess is that he left his son and his servants in Capernaum because his son was too sick to travel. So this royal official gets on the horse, he rides 20 miles, and he comes to Jesus, and he is desperate. 
one of those prayers I remember years ago hearing Mike Warnicky and uh, go too deep into Mike Warnicky, but I remember him saying, when things are tough, prayer becomes very simple. He said, I remember one time in a deep sense of trouble, I hit the carpet when I came into my house and I flew down on my face through the hallway with my prayer. Help! That was it, man. <laughs> this was the state that this man found himself in. I remember Jonah. What's interesting about Jonah, God calls him to go to a specific place to preach. And what does he do? He gets on a ship heading the opposite direction. What happens? <laughs> There's this terrible storm. And the different sailors on the ship are saying, Who's your God? We need to pray to him. We'll pray to your God. Man, we got we to gotta pray. We got to get out of this. Everybody prayed except one guy, the prophet of the Lord God. Where was he? He was asleep. While it looked like the ship was going to go under. So they went down there, and they woke Jonah up, and they said, you need to cry out to your God, or we will not survive this storm. We've been crying out to our gods. Nothing's happened. And Jonah says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk to God. I know what he wants me to do. Forget it. And so he says, just throw me overboard. And so this little discussion ensues. We're not going to throw you overboard. We can't do that. Throw me overboard. So you know what happens. Finally, they throw him overboard. He's in the water. He's still stubborn. Still not praying. God has to send this huge fish to swallow him. Finally, he's in a desperate enough situation <laughs> where he begins to pray. Maybe you find yourself in a desperate situation. Maybe this morning you're in a place where you have one of those help kind of prayers. Because <laughs> what else do you say? Words, man, they don't seem to come out right that's where we find this man where do we find you this morning i know we don't have time to hear everybody's testimony but more than likely many of you here this morning are in such a place of desperation i love psalm 138 verse 6 it says though the lord is on high he looks upon the lowly but the proud he knows from afar. And what God loves is for us just to come clean. Just to be honest before Him. Man, He already knows where you are. He already knows the state of your heart. He already knows your emotions. So He just says, man, I, I look on the lowly, the one who's broken, the one who says, there's only one place to go, only one place to run. That's directly to the Lord. So often we're stubborn and we don't want to listen, you know, play a Jonah. And one of my favorite stories is about this farmer who would never go to church. He was in this, you know, small farming community. And the preacher and the deacons, they all would go to visit this guy. He had three sons. None of them would come to church. And finally, one day, one of the boys, the youngest son, Sam, got bitten by a rattlesnake. It was bad. The doctors didn't know what to do. So finally, the old farmer got so desperate, he did the last thing he wanted to do. He called the preacher. So the preacher came over. He looked at the situation. He said, brother, can I pray for you? He said, yes, sir, preacher. Pray for us. So he began to pray. 
We thank thee that in thy wisdom thou didst send this rattlesnake to bite Sam. He's never been inside the church, and it's doubtful that he has in all of this time ever prayed or acknowledged thy existence. Now we trust that this experience will be a valuable lesson to him and will lead him to his genuine repentance. And now, O oh Father, wilt thou send another rattlesnake to bite Jim and another to bite John and a big one to bite this old man? <laughs> For years we've done everything we know to get them to turn to thee, but in, it's all in vain. It seems, therefore, that what all of our combined efforts could not do, this rattlesnake has done. We thus conclude that the only thing that will do this family any real good is a rattlesnake. So send us bigger and battle better rattlesnakes. Amen. <laughs> now, I don't know about sending rattlesnakes. I'm not praying that for anybody or for myself. But we just, God wants to get our attention. He wants us to know that we don't have to go through this alone. He says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. God's there, guys. Secondly, not only is life hard, but it draws us to Jesus, to God. Secondly, Christ can be surprising because He wants us to grow. Jesus says something that's quite unexpected, quite surprising. When this man comes and he pours out his heart to Jesus, I want you to notice his response. It says at the end of verse 47 that the boy was close to death. Verse 48, he says, Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Man, that sounds harsh. Jesus, did you hear what he said? His son is close to death. And you're saying, well, you guys don't believe anyway. Why do you even... Why do you even come? You know, that, that's the way I would be tempted to take it if I was there and I didn't understand the situation clearly. The guy seems... Jesus, the Lord God, He's not meek and mild in this instance. He seems plain rude, unconcerned. But you know what? There are other times in the Bible where Jesus comes across as surprising. Do you remember the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus? Her daughter was demon-possessed. Again, a very difficult situation. You would think that Jesus would immediately respond to this woman, would cast out this demon, and there would be immediate healing. Listen to his response to her. You guys may remember it. He said, it's not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to dogs. Another situation. There's a man, he's got a withered arm. <laughs> he, is at the, he is at a pool. And Jesus tells him what in the scripture? He says, stretch out your arm. I can just see an activist running up there and saying, what? Look at this guy. He's got an army. You tell him to stretch it out. Do you really think he can stretch that out? You're cruel. Why would you say such a thing? Who are you? Yet, all these surprising events, situations we don't understand, that we can't figure out, that we can't decipher. When Jesus gave a command, he gave them what was needed to obey the command. <laughs> You see, Jesus is bigger than our understanding and our comprehension. And when we step out in obedience to Jesus Christ and we trust Him, He gives us what we need in order to follow through with what He 
asked us to do. Sometimes it's surprising. Remember Peter. Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you didn't get this from yourself, Peter. This came from above. This is divine, man, that you got this. And then what did Peter do? He turned right around when he heard Jesus talk about what was coming for Jesus. Peter said, oh, no, no, Lord, that's not going to happen, not you. And Remember, what, the great, what a rebuke. Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> man, sur- surprising stuff. You see, as a child of God, we always pray, we, we cry, we scream out. Sometimes God does not give us the answer that we expect. Sometimes it is surprising. And sometimes when we pray, we've got it all figured out. The problem is God doesn't know our answer yet. It sure feels that way. But you know what? One of his answers is no. We don't like that. Sometimes it is no. Other times it is wait. We don't like wait either. I flunked waiting a long time ago. I hate waiting. Psalm 27, the very last verse in Psalm 27 is verse 14. It says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Man, in a difficult situation, who wants to wait? Who wants to struggle? This is a a tender rebuke that one commentator uh, called it this, unless you people... I want you to notice, though, instead of just being addressed, verse 48, to one guy, it's, it's you people. This is not addressed to one guy. This is addressed to the crowd that has gathered around. Everyone who was there, Jesus was trying to make a point to them. Why? Because this was Cana, this was Galilee, this is where water was turned to wine, and the talk of the day there was, this is the miracle worker. He turns water into wine. Let's all come and see what the next miracle is. Let's see the show. This is what Jesus is rebuking. This is why, as we started this in verse 43, this passage, it tells us when he went to Galilee, Jesus testified, no prophet has honor in his own country. But it says, he came to Galilee and the Galileans received him. They did not receive him in the sense of saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to do what you say. They received him in the sense of, we're looking for a show. (laughs) We're looking for Jesus to do a miracle. And Jesus is saying, this is not merely about miracles. This is not about whetting your entertainment appetite. So he says, this is not what it's about. This is not why I am here. Man, it is tough when Jesus says no. It is tough when Jesus says wait. So so what do we do? He is always more interested in our spiritual growth than our physical comfort. If we're honest, we often want to take the path of least resistance so that we can be comfortable. But that is not God's goal. God's goal is not to make me happy. God's goal is not to... um, satisfy my comforts God's goal is to grow me in Jesus Christ to make me more like him that's the work that he is about he's about getting rid of those rough edges <laughs> in the book of first Peter in chapter 1 he tells us that our faith uh, of greater worth than gold 
that it's refined by fire. It's proved genuine. Listen to this quote by P.T. Forsyth. He said, It's far better and greater to pray for pain's conversion than to pray for pain's removal. See, God, take it away. Remove the pain. I'm tired of hurting. May instead we ask, God, what are you trying to teach me? I certainly would not have chosen to be where I am today, but you must have a designed reason for it. You must have a purpose that I don't know. Help me learn. God, help me become who you want me to become, that you might get the glory. Now, let's move on to the third statement. We looked at life can be hard and drives you to Christ. Christ can be surprising. He wants us to grow. And the third one is faith can be weak. It must be developed. As this father came, at first he was looking for a power. Because that's what he had heard about. Water turned to wine. This is a man who has special powers. Maybe he can save the life of my son. I'm desperate. No one knows what to do. So I've got to go somewhere, find hope, someone who has an answer, and that led him to Jesus. But he was at that first stage of faith, which was looking for this power that could bring what he so desperately wanted and needed. I uh, heard about a guy in a foxhole during one of the wars, and while he was there, he wore a necklace, and on the necklace, he had a cross, he had a star of David, he had a crescent moon, <laughs> he had a Buddha, and he had a rabbit's foot, all on this one necklace. And so the soldier next to him said, Dude, what do you believe? And here was his response. I don't know, but my position, I can't afford to make anybody mad. <laughs> so I believe it all at this point if it will help me. Christ is the place to run. He is the place to go. At this point, he's trying to exercise the faith of this desperate dad. I want you to notice verse 50. Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Now, it's interesting, as you look at this text, look at verse 49 and the request that he made to Jesus. Sir, come down before my child dies. In other words, Jesus, you are my hope. You have to come back with me to Capernaum. You have to heal my son. You have to help. But Jesus does not say yes to his request. What's he doing? He's testing the man's faith. He's trying to help him to grow. He's trying to help him to see that Jesus is all-powerful, that he doesn't have to physically go with him for his son to be healed. He wants, Jesus wants this man to have faith in him. He's trying to build that spiritual muscle. So he goes from power to a promise. This man grapples with the promise of Jesus. And you know what? We need to grapple with his promises as well. Some of us have read the promises of God so many times that they have become much too recognizable. They don't shock us anymore. 
Yeah, I've read that in the Bible. I know it's there. I've heard the preacher speak about it, so I just go teach talk about it. Deacons come by, I said, man, we need to see it fresh. We need to see the promise of God, maybe the hundredth time, but the first time. God means it when He says it. And when God, Jesus Christ, speaks to this desperate dad, He says, just go. Your son is alive. He's okay. He'll be healed. Three times the word believe is mentioned in the section. The first, believing, believing upon His word. And He goes through and this man, as he takes off, I want you to notice something that I found very interesting in the text. Uh, you go on uh, below 50, verse 51. He says, while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news this boy was living. So he got great news. Jesus had brought healing to his deathly ill son. When he, this is verse 52, when he inquired as to the time, when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Other commentators brought that up to at one o'clock in the afternoon. So the idea is that this man did not leave immediately. He had hung around for a while. Now we don't know the exact detail of why he didn't leave immediately to head back. But the point is, he believed Jesus. It allowed this worry to melt away. It allowed hope to enter the equation. And then that was validated when he heard the word that it was at that time when he had spoken to Jesus that the fever went away. And that was a marker I believe that man cherished for the rest of his days that Jesus Christ had spared his son at the moment he told him, just believe and go. <laughs> just believe and go. And I love it. If you look down in verse 53, it says, So he and all his household believed. It didn't just impact this dad. It impacted the whole family. As this boy was, was healed and, and everyone could trust and, and say, Man, we must place our confidence in Jesus. Because he's a real deal. He's the one that can help us. He's more than power. He's given a promise. But He's the person on which it all hinges, on which it all is based. Yes, we will face trials. Just because you pray, just because you're a Christian, does not mean this life is trial-free. And I don't even have to tell you that. We know that. But He's there. Now, as you pray, He may not answer it the way you choose or the way you predict or the way you want. God does not always stamp our plans of approval. And sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. But he has a reason. It's all designed to grow our faith. It's all designed for us to believe who he is. It's all designed for us to see there is always hope where there is Jesus. There was death. Now he's resurrected. He walked among them for 40 days. Then he was taken up into heaven. The apostles all died sharing this message of faith. If it was not true, if it was a made-up story, they would not have 
been martyred. They would not have given their lives. They place their confidence in Him because He is a real deal. I'll close with this story. I'm past time, and as God's reminded me a couple of times, it's tee-offs at 110, so I, I need to move this on. Cindy and I went to Walmart the other day looking for a, a, a grill cover. Uh, anyway, we're in there. Cindy, uh, it's somewhere near 10 years ago, she, she worked at Walmart for a while. There's a guy there named Danny who has worked back there in the garden section of Walmart for 24 years. Um, he's in his l late 70s now, I think. But anyway, it was interesting because we went back there and Cindy said, Do you remember me, Danny? Yes, I remember you. And then he, he acted like he remembered me. Oh, anyway, I'll take it. <laughs> so, but he, he began to tell us, and this is interesting because I asked Cindy later, I said, so obviously he's a Christian. He says, I didn't ever hear much about it when I worked here. But here's what he said. He said, you know, I get up every morning and I say, God, help me to see somebody today I haven't seen in a long time, Lord. Lord, help me to to make a difference today, to see you today. And he said, you guys are today's answer to that prayer. And then he went on and he told us about his car wouldn't start, his battery went dead, and there was this guy sitting in the car, and he's trying to figure out what to do, and he's just sitting there, and the guy never drove off. And finally, he got a conversation with a guy, asked the guy to come and help him, jumped his car off, and he said, I have a question to ask you. He said, why didn't you drive off? Why did you stay here all this time? And the guy said, I don't know. I just felt something holding me here. And then he said, that's God. You see, I believe, he said, that God not only puts us in certain places, but sometimes he holds certain people there who he intends to use to help us. That God is watching over us, that we can trust in God, that we can depend upon God, and that we can rest in God, that we do not have to live in constant anxiety because we have a God that is trustworthy. And so, guys, as we close this service, and we'll have a time invitation, if you need to come to this altar and place your trust in the one who is trustworthy, in the one who... We can rest in, you know, come. It, it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, read it this morning in Sunday school, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. In the uh, living Bible, the old living Bible, he said, let him have all your worries and cares for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. That's our God. If you've never trusted him, I can't think of any better time than now. I mean, he loves you. Just come clean, come before Him and say, God, you know me, you know where I am, and I need you, Lord. Forgive me, help me to start that new life and to have a confidence that I am safe in you. That's what it's about. So if God's spoken to you, if you need to come share with God's people, pray at the altar, make a decision where you are, all I ask is that you simply trust Him because He is trustworthy. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for a great day to be with your people. And I thank you even more that you are a great God that we can trust, that we can place our faith in, Lord. And your word says it's impossible without faith to please you, God. Because that anyone who, who comes to you, God, must believe that you exist and Father, that those who earnestly seek you, God, you'll reveal yourself. And uh, I just pray this morning that 
we would hear that for the first time, Lord, and come in faith. You know where we are, and thankfully, you tell us to talk to you, even though we can't figure you out. doesn't matter. You got us figured out. And so we'll confidently say, help us, Lord. You know where we are. Help means help Jesus. Help us. In your name we pray.